Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter from Slam Diego. Uh, welcome back, Cardinal fans, uh, to the 55th episode of the Red Rain podcast um, with my producer, Kyle Ledbetter. Um, today, I'd like to talk about the Cards' no big deal offseason. Um, I offered a, twi- uh, um, a tweet yesterday saying history will record this as the no big deal in quotation marks, off-season for the Arizona Cardinals. And I purposely left that no big deal um, term ambiguous because there are a lot of ways to interpret it. Um, And I'm going to dive into a number of the um, ways in which I interpret it and uh, offer some thoughts. And then, of course, would like to hear your your thoughts. But... uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going back to the beginning and trying to figure out why the Cardinals are in this situation with Kyler Murray, um, why the Cardinals elected to um, extend Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, and why they've been reluctant to re-sign Kyler on his time schedule and Eric Burkheit's Burkhart's time schedule. You know, so much of this is um, frustrating. Um, I think we've seen a ripple effect of it. The good news is that the Cardinals were able to re-sign their top in-house free agents. Um, That is a big deal to me. Um, As frustrating as it is to see that the Cardinals have not been able to um, sign really one premier outside free agent thus far, and there's still a f- few out there, um, is, uh, you know, is it part and parcel of the kind of acrimony that's occurred, public acrimony that's occurred between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and the uncertainty of what's going on in that situation and the just really tough way that the season ended for the Cardinals, a season that looked so promising and had so many historical elements to it before the wheels came off. And um, so, you know, history will record. This is the no big deal off season because, uh, you know, there's been no big deal, put it that way. Um, Like last year, literally um, with a JJ Watt, uh, signing, which surprised everyone, and how he picked Arizona and cited Kyler Murray as a major reason why he picked Arizona, um, and how excited he was to think that the Cardinals could contend for a Super Bowl. Which, um, for the first half of the season, it looked as if uh, the Cardinals were a legit Super Bowl contender, and then we know what happened in the second half of the season, but. In order to understand why it happened, here's a thought about what went on with Kyler and his agent, Eric Burkhart, who I think stuck his nose in at the, in the middle of the, uh, the Cardinals' great season, um, not only by promoting the um, Cliff Kingsbury to Oklahoma rumors, um, which I know a lot of fans are saying no big deal on that. To me, it is, was a big deal. Those kind of distractions um, are not good for a football team or for any organization that has momentum rolling. Um, and, on, and people will say, oh, well, there's nothing to it. We don't know that. I mean, the fact that Cliff wouldn't deny it um, and snuff it out and just make it clear uh, that, hey, I'm the coach of the number one team in the NFL right now, why would I want to go anywhere? He didn't say that. And, um, you know, I think he was coached by Eric Burkhart to just let this play out so that he can work a deal behind the scenes. 
with the Cardinals, um, one would imagine. But the timing of that, right when the Cardinals were peaking, right when everything was looking going their way, um, and the Cardinals were actually winning games with Colt McCoy quarterback while Kyler was was uh, rehabbing his high ankle sprain. Um, you know, I mean, things were going so well at that point, and I started to wonder. I could imagine. And I don't know if you could, but I can imagine that while Kyler was, uh, you know, out for four weeks, those four weeks, which included the bye week, um, I can imagine that Eric Burkhart was saying to him, look, you know, don't come back until you're 100%, um, which is wise advice. I mean, you know, the Cardinals had the luxury of, Colt McCoy playing well in two of the three games. I mean, really well. Um, when you look at what he did, um, it uh, you know on the road against the 49ers and Seahawks. Which, by the way, when was the last time the Cardinals swept their NFC West rivals on the road, going three and zero? Colt won two of those games. I mean, so impressive. Um, and uh, I wrote an article about that yesterday about. Uh, the Colt and Cliff Stable. Um, I think it's it's really Colt McCoy has been uh, really a, a, a fantastic signing for the Cardinals, and you know it's good to know that you know um, he's in the stable, that Cliff's quarterback stable if he's needed, um, because he delivered big time last year, and uh, he looks like a really nifty fit in the offense, um, in Cliff's offense. In fact, he ran it, I think probably about as well as Cliff hopes for um, in those two games at, at Santa Clara and at Seattle. So, um, but, um, but yeah, and I think that Burkhart would have been, you know, advised Kyler to just get a hundred percent healthy. And then no matter what you do, just don't get hurt again for the rest of this season, because, you know, we're, we're aiming to get, get the contract extension. And if you're hurt again, this could, could, uh, you know, um, put, put a, a, a damper on such negotiations or could prevent us from getting what we think we deserve. And, you know, you can say that's an agent doing his job, but, you know, I think that as you look at, go back and look at the difference of how Kyler played in the first part of the season and how he played down the stretch, there's just a noticeable, tangible difference in his aggressiveness um, and his in his command of the offense um, and his willingness to extend plays, um, his willingness to run, which he said at the beginning of the year was running was just now a luxury for him, which is not understanding what defensive coordinators around the NFL fear most about Kyler is his mobility. Um, so that kind of bit of, of misunderstanding of himself, I think is, is a, is a concern. Um, not that we ever want him to take hits, but Kyler's always been able to avoid contact. He's quick enough and he knows when to, you know, take a slide. Uh, he, he knows how to do it. He's done it his whole life. And, um, you know, he's a master at it. Um, he could, he could duck contact in his sleep. Um, put it that way. Um, so, but you know, there, there's just no denying. He just was not the same player when he came back. Um, maybe briefly in that bears game, but that was kind of an anomaly. And that was one of the last games Deandre Hopkins played and, um, which was a help. That big touchdown early set the tone, and Kyler threw a dime there on a fourth down fade pass to the right pylon. That was awesome. Um, and Kyler played a really good game then, but he didn't have to do much in that game. I think he only threw, you know, I think he threw less than twenty passes. And there was a heavy running component in that game, and the defense was playing well, and they're picking off passes from Andy Dalton. That was a another fine road win from that point on um, 
you know, it was a struggle. I mean, the only game that Kyler played, you know, it looked like shades of his of the first half of his season was at Dallas, which, and we know um, how Kyler gets himself geared up to play there. Um, he's never lost at AT and T in Dallas, and uh, and he still has never lost at AT and T, and he played a really fine game there. The other games, all of which the Cardinals were favored, the three home games they were favored in all three were disappointments. Not going to put it all on Kyler, certainly, but you know, um, it just goes to show how much the Cardinals need him to play at his at near his best for them to win games, even games that they're favored in all three games at home that they were favored and they lost. And on Christmas day to the Colts, uh, you know, that was a tough loss. Um, you know, um, and it, what could have and should have been a better performance from the Cardinals. Uh, and then, I mean, the last one against the Seahawks with the NFC West on the line, that was really disappointing. Um, Seahawks didn't have much to play for, but, you know, it was Pete Carroll built it as their Super Bowl, and that's the way, you know, the NFC West is. The opponents are going to show up. They, they were smarting about getting beaten again in, um, in Seattle, and they came and gave the Cardinals their best shot and prevailed 38-30. to 30. Um, That was tough. And then, of course, the playoffs – against the Rams, uh, the playoff game was, oh, the worst game of the Cardinals season by far and, uh, and of Kyler's. So, and then compounded with Kyler sitting out the last two plays, which some, I hear some people saying that was no big deal. Um, and I, I have to really push back hard against that because, um, you know, I mean, if you played on a football team and a teammate of yours thinks he's too good to go back in the game under those circumstances, or it's too embarrassing for him or whatever the mindset was there. Um, that's a very polarizing choice um, decision that a player would make. I mean, you know, although the situations are, are very different, Look at what happened with Antonio Brown and the Bucks. Um, you know, I mean, diff different situation, but look at the uproar it caused. Okay. Also, you know, I mean, the way it was handled. I mean, you could argue then that the Bucks season derailed right then. Their chances of repeating. The distraction for one is, you know, and I keep trying to emphasize to Cardinal fans in-season distractions and off-season distractions can decay the morale of the football team. And, uh, you know, Antonio Brown was a polarizing figure in Tampa Bay, but his, his biggest supporter was Tom Brady. And Brady recognized that particularly without Chris Godwin healthy and their receiving core being banged up and, and depleted somewhat. They needed Antonio Brown um, to face off again, you know, against the best teams in the playoffs. And, you know, one could argue too, that the way Bruce Arians handled that situation, I don't think um, Tom Brady was too pleased with that. And now Arians is out as coach. And uh, I don't know how much the Antonio Brown situation had to do with it. I mean, I think it was a cumulative effect of some things or factors. But, um, you know, I mean, wow. I mean, look at the ripple effect that some of these things can have. And, you know, um, so it was a big deal that Kyler elected not to go out and finish that game on what was essentially two handoffs. Um, but it makes us made a statement. I see him walking off the field alone. And I'll tell you this right now. I mean, if even though, you know, Kyler has put his teammates in a, the awkward position now of them having to defend him this offseason, they're not going to throw him under the bus. 
And, you know, so if you're, you're thinking J.J. Watt's going to grab a mic and say Kyler needs to grow up and he needs to do this, he's not going to do that. In fact, he's been doing the opposite because he's just trying to, you know, mitigate the situation, de-escalate it, you know, and, and trying to, you know, uh, handle it the best he knows how. Um, and I, I think, you know, and certainly James Conner yesterday with Kyler not showing up to OTAs saying it's no big deal. I mean, I think it's forcing the Cardinals players to say things like that. When in fact, it is a big deal. I mean, people say, oh, well, it's voluntary, so you don't have to go. Yeah, well, you know, other things are voluntary. If one of your main colleagues at work's work is retiring and they have a retirement party for them and you know the whole company's going you don't have to go but maybe should you go I mean, should you be part of the team there are times to be part of the team i mean they make a lot of things voluntary that you know uh i mean i at, at my high school where i recently retired they made it voluntary for faculty members to go to graduation, which I thought was bizarre. I mean, really? I mean, these are the kids you spent four years, you know, um, helping and assisting and teaching and urging and prodding and, and nurturing. And this is their greatest moment. And you have the option to skip it. Really? But they gave the faculty the option. And I have to tell you, I mean, every year, more than half the faculty wouldn't show up. And I think it was an awful look um, for the students and an awful decision uh, for the faculty members. I mean, are you, if you're so invested in the kids, I mean, if this is for them. And showing up in an OTAs in a voluntary situation is as much for yourself as it is for your teammates. I mean, and conversely, okay, look at this. Yesterday, the Rams started their OTAs. Guess who were the first two players to show up? I mean, this is a mere eight weeks after their season ended, where they they haven't gotten the usual break, you know, off season break. The, the Cardinals and other teams have got. Carlos had one extra week to their season, but think of the you know think of when the Cardinals season ended, and think of when the when the Rams season ended, and they're only eight weeks from playing in that Super Bowl, and of course Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup show up. Of course they do. Why is that? I mean, they could be working out on their own. Why are they in the building? Why are they being the first ones there? And while we're talking about Cooper Cup, okay, Cooper Cup last year counted $5.3 million on the Rams cap. He had historically one of the greatest seasons a wide receiver in the NFL has ever, ever um, put on tape and put in the record books. He was phenomenal. I mean, you cannot, no one could argue that he was the best wide receiver in the NFL last year. Okay, so between Matthew Stafford, who they traded for, and Cooper Cup, those dudes, the most prolific quarterback wide receiver combo in the league, which, by the way, won the Bucks game down the stretch, won the Super Bowl down the stretch, the two of them. And that's why they, they hung out every morning, did breakfast and did workouts on the side. I mean, you know, talk about a, a um, blueprint for success. I mean, together they counted $30 million on the cap. You know, and look at this offseason of quarterbacks getting $50 million and wide receivers getting $30 million. Will there ever be a team that's paying a quarterback $50 million and a wide receiver $30 million it's going to win a Super Bowl. Well, we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but getting back to Cup, I mean, his cap hit for this year is 18.7, I believe, um, which he could easily go to the Rams 
do what Debo Samuel's doing, what A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin are doing, saying, hey, man, I had the best season in the NFL last year um, as a wide receiver. Um, there's an out clause on my contract after this year. Why don't we get her? You know, I'm, I'm not going to show up to OT. I'm not going to show up. I'm gonna, not going to do anything until you give me a new contract. And everybody would say, well, it's well within his rights to do that. But this is where choices come in. And I know the argument, like, can't expect players to be team friendly, except when they are. I mean, Tom Brady's playing for $20 million this year with the Bucks. How do you like their chances? Um, right now, ESPN has them in their power polls as the NFC favorite. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, in Cooper Cup, so here's what Cup said yesterday, all right? People were asking him about his contract and everything. He said, quote, unquote, I want to do something that's fair both to me and the team. Whoa. I mean, whoa. I mean, that's just – I mean, there are players who really consider the salary cap ramifications because – you know, if you want to continue to win, and we know that Rams have been up against the cap, but they've maneuvered it unbelievably to be able to re-sign some of their players and to add some splash free agents, unlike the Cardinals are, are doing. And, you know, I mean, every player knows that the more of the salary cap you grab for yourself, um, you know, no one's going to get, uh, you know, you probably at the cost of signing three or four depth players or, or one or two starters that could help you get there again and win it again. I mean, there are ripple effects to that too. So, I mean, what's fair to both sides, you know, is, is something that, I mean, you can't demand from players, but you certainly see it from, you know, as a, you know, as, as it being modeled by other players in the league. And I think that's, that's, you know, really a testament to Cooper cups, um, unselfishness and his, his eagerness to win. That's why he's the first one there yesterday in LA with Stafford having breakfast together and starting it all over again with renewed hope. And that organization gave them, renewed hope this offseason with the moves they made. Switching gears to the Cardinals is uh, that, you know, now the Cardinals have been, you know, kind of trying to work their way around this whole Kyler Murray situation. I mean, it, it has affected them in free agency. Um, don't Don't get suckered into the well, the Cardinals don't have cap space. Every team has cap space. You can create it, okay? And this is the most disturbing part about the offseason is guess where the Super Bowl is this year? It's in Arizona. I mean, it's, do the Cardinals don the look of a team, that that organization that particularly in light of the now pattern of the Bucks winning at home, the Rams winning at home, and now it's in Arizona. The stars could be aligned, and yet the urgency to not only make deals that could give them a better chance than what they had last year, but to create a positive buzz um, surrounding the organization of renewal and renewed hope is you know what you would expect, and yet What's the buzz around the Cardinals? It's all negative because of this Murray situation. I mean, everybody's talking about it just as Burkhart wanted as we lead into the draft. And by the way, tomorrow's one week from the draft. And I predicted that if uh, a contract hasn't been offered by the Cardinals by then, that now we'll, we'll hear the trade demand. I mean, that would seem to be the, next logical step because they are, you know, the Murray camp is desperate to either get paid 
by the Cardinals or by another team. And they do not intend for him to take another snap or go to another OTA or anything until he gets that deal. Um, and we can argue long and hard as we have as to whether he deserves it. Um, from In my opinion, because he's under contract, you know, I've said this all along, and I'm sticking to it. I, I think why jump the gun and do this prematurely when you have the ability to wait? And I'm sorry, but I don't think giving a player a $30 million fifth-year option guaranteed is exactly chump change. No, it's not $250 million with X amount guaranteed. I get that. But it's not like, you know, uh, Kyler has to start living on food stamps. Um, you know, he's by the end of this year, he will have collected all of his $36 million on his rookie deal. And then, you know, you add $30 million onto that. You know, or 29.5, whatever that is, you know, that's 65.5 million. And then all the, you know, advertisement deals, which I don't know how many he's going to get now because of the, the hit his reputation's taken in this um, ordeal. Uh, you know, I mean, there are other ways to make money. And that's Tom Brady. I mean, Brady doesn't sit on his hands. He he recovers some of the money that he sacrifices for the salary cap by doing the ads that he does, the subway ads. You know, he does a bunch in Boston here for jewelers, and you know he 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 gets around the ad circuit. And uh, plus, he's got his own brand and he's got his merchandise. I mean, there are ways to become a mega millionaire just on, you know, promotional stuff and doing advertisement. And, um, you know, there are many ways to, and doing autograph shows and, and things like that. I mean, there are many ways to make money in this business. I mean, you know, these guys are going to be, I mean, Kyler Murray's going to be a millionaire his whole life. I mean, he's already got the end of this year, 36 mil in the bank and, and, um, even if he plays out a fifth-year option, there's another third at twenty-nine point five. I mean, it's a nice way to start out a career at twenty. You know, what is he twenty-four now? Um, you know, but I get the other side of you know I risk an injury. Look at Baker Mayfield, and Mayfield's you know Kyler's buddy, and it's probably Mayfield's advised him. Look, you know, I've made a mistake. Look what happened to me with the Browns. Um, the Cardinals, however, have been very, um, if you look at their history, they don't typically let injuries affect their feelings about the player. I mean, look at Tyran Matthew. They ripped up his contract when they didn't have to and made him the highest paid safety in the NFL. Unfortunately, they got burned by that because Matthew didn't live up to it. And then he, you know, got pissy at the organization for wanting him to take a bit of a pay cut. And he's been pissy ever since um, on social media. Um, look at David Johnson. They did the same thing there. What did David Johnson do? He held out of, of involuntary, mandatory minicamp. You know, um, and the irony is, for me at least, uh, that I think if Kyler had looked in the mirror long enough and reflected well enough, he had that in him to realize, you know, understand what went wrong at the end of the season, why not going out with his teammates was a mistake. And if instead he approached this off season of like, you know what, guys, uh, you know, I, I need to be better for y'all. Um, you know, um, I want to give you my all. I want to apologize for not being out there on the field at the end of that game. I was just so upset. and But I, I put my own, you know, motions ahead of the team. And I, I will never do that to you guys again. And I, I really want to show you, 
show you this season how, you know, um, how important it is for me, for all of us to get after this Super Bowl. We're going to do, I'm going to do everything I can. And that he was a ubiquitous presence in the building like J.J. Watt every day. You know, yes, he has shown up and done some work there because um, Watt provided video evidence of it. Um, so, but be a ubiquitous presence around the, you know, uh, in the facility and then throughout OTAs. I mean, the thing is, too, is we've heard from Hopkins in the past about miscommunications with Kyler. We've now heard it from AJ Green, who says he wanted to come back this year and get things right um, and, and uh, take care of the mis miscommunications he had with Kyler. And he even said, I didn't want to put too much on Kyler's plate <clears throat> by, um, you know, by asking too much of him, which is kind of weird. Maybe Kyler and AJ Green should have breakfast every morning. Um, like the guys, the boys in LA, um, you know, but this is what it takes. The communication factor I mean, the, the biggest gaff play of the season was a miscommunication, miscommunication between Kyler and AJ green. Right. I mean, um, and those things happen. I mean, but at the other end of the spectrum, you know, what you have to have is, you know, you have to correct that. Um, and, and you do it by hard work. You do it by showing up to OTAs. You do it by taking advantage of every opportunity you have like Stafford and Cup did last year. Um, they took full advantage of it. And, um, you know, you have to be punctual. You have to show up. Um, so when, you know, I know James Conner said no big deal. He knows better than that. But he's just trying to allay the fears of Cardinals fans. And, and he's, like I said, Kyler has put everyone in the awkward position of having to explain and react. And I don't think they have any other choice but to but to say things like that. I, I think that, you know, but I will say this. I, I mean, what I think would be uh, natural to assume is that even though the Cardinals players are saying the right things the best they can about Kyler, it's a hopeful thing, I think, as much as anything else. It wouldn't surprise me if the locker room's divided, um, particularly in light of, you know, maybe not as much about the contract necessarily, but about the, you know, the way the season ended with Kyler. You know, there's a tremendous irony to this too. I mean, talk about voluntary and involuntary. You know, if you think of Kyler's first appearance <laughs> last year, it was in that preseason preseason game number two. Do you remember that? And you remember that he was balking that he shouldn't have to play, but Cliff wanted him to play anyway. And then he went out there and basically just threw a couple balls away and got off the field. I mean, okay, so that's how the season started for Kyler. And people will say, no big deal. No one should have to play in the preseason. Well, if no one should have to play, then don't put any starters out there. Don't make it a double standard. You know, make it a, a battle of the second and third teamers for making the roster and making their cases, which is fine to do. I know McVeigh likes to do that. But don't, you know, don't make it where, oh, we're going to put the starting line out there, but then, no, we'll give them, you know, the second string quarterback. Um, well, why does the wine have to go out if everyone doesn't have to go out, all the starters? You know, I, I get the, that whole dilemma, but if your coach wants you to go out and thinks it's important, and Cliff has said that he wishes he had treated preseason games differently, in the, particularly his first year when he decided to go totally vanilla and not give anyone a look at, at his offense, he said that was a mistake. And I, that's a key part here. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, communicate well, and you're trying to get your offense in sync. This is a, one opportunity in which to do it. I mean, I've seen, I saw, you know, back five or six years ago, 
there was a preseason game between the Patriots and the Giants where um, Belichick played Tom Brady for three quarters. I mean, and that was the year that uh, um, the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And I was saying, wow, what a, you know, and, and he wasn't, Belichick didn't think the offense was clicking well enough. And um, so he wanted to just keep the offense out there until he, they got in a groove. And I mean, again, this is this is a preseason game. It shouldn't mean anything, but it does mean something if what you're trying to accomplish is team chemistry. And I think that you learn a lot about the character of people when you ask them to do something they wouldn't necessarily volunteer to do. Um, we're all faced with that in our jobs. I mean, there's part of jobs that that you know we don't like certain tasks we don't like to do but as i always have advised my students and players over the years is even go to the point of volunteering to do jobs that people don't want to do that'll get you way farther um in a company and within an organization than acting special like you shouldn't have to be put out to do anything it's just the way it works um you know, we've all had people we work with who think their doesn't stink, you know, and they're, they shouldn't have to stoop so low as to be to have to do certain things. Um, they should be treated differently. How do you feel about those employees? And that's why, you know, I think that there is quite a division. I mean, Kyler is a polarizing figure. I mean, there are things he does that, you know, that, that, uh, and choices he makes that have repercussions. I mean, we've heard the reports that, you know, that from the Fitz camp that Tyler was given the red carpet from day one, he was given way too much too soon, way too much autonomy. Um, you know, that's the point. I mean, if that's the perception and we can see it, we can see it. Ty Kyler, is very stubborn. He's set in his ways. He has a prescribed notion of what he thinks is going to be right for him. But I don't think that he's necessarily that he comes across as someone who's eminently coachable or amenable to new ideas or, you know, um, open to change per se. I think that he's basically dictates how he's going to do what he does. He plays on his own terms, put it that way. And there are other Cardinal players who've tried to play on their own terms. And those situations have not worked out well, not only for the player, but for the team. And, you know, the team aspect of this comes before all of it. So, you know, until Kyler sort of changes his ways, his stripes um, on that, I don't know what we can expect from him. But, you know, I think for someone who's had – now, three years, I don't think he should be treated the same way as a grizzled veteran like J.J. Watt. I mean, I love J.J. Watt, and again, he's been put in a, in a very awkward and tenuous place. I mean, he doubled down on Kyler Murray by wanting to sign here in the first place, and he says he's been talking to Kyler and this and that, and I'm not sure even that's working, but, you know, he said yesterday... Oh, well, listen, as long as he shows up for the first game and plays good, we're all set. You know, no, 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 no. That's just, I mean, you can't, yes, Kyler knows the offense. Yes, could he step right in and possibly play well? That's No, you can't just walk in the first week. And, and uh, it's because football is a game of coordination, and timing, and chemistry. I mean, it's not, you know, you just can't walk right in and, and, and uh, you know, expect to win football games. And I, I know J.J. Watt knows that. But, I mean, J.J. Watt, at his point in his career, he's not going to play in a, in a preseason game. But he's earned that. I mean, Kyler's only heading into year four. you got to earn your stripes in the NFL. I mean, 
he's still a young player, and at times he acts like it. So, I mean, giving him the red carpet, treating him like he's been around 15 years uh, is not a good idea. And um, it's not a good idea for any of the young players. Does Buddha Baker ask for special privileges? I mean, look at Buddha's situation. I mean, he's done everything the right way. First of all, he wasn't put out when they asked him to play special teams. In fact, he savored it. So much so that he made the Pro Bowl as a special teams player. He took total pride in it. Then he makes the, the Pro Bowl his next two seasons at safety by playing his butt off every game and making all the sacrifices that you want a, a player to make and be, just being the baller that he is. So what happened then? Did his agent go public and say, oh, we're not playing another snap for the Cardinals? No. Michael Bidwell went to him and said, look, man, you are balling it. And, and if you notice Bidwell, Bidwell is the, you know, people who want to call him cheap, like the, Kyler's agent, is just so wrong. Bidwell is the most rewarding employer there is. I mean, anytime, every time the Cardinals have had a, you know, a, a double-digit win season, he's renewed, you know, given Steve Kime an extension. I mean, we can debate that. But, you know, and Cliff Kingsbury won 11 games. He's gone from 5 to 8 to 11. That's why Cliff got the extension. I mean, Bidwell's ready to, right there, and ready to, you know, reward people. Look at what, you know, I mean, wow. I mean, he's done that repeatedly uh, throughout his tenure as, as you know, when controlling owner. Um, you know, he's eager to reward people. Maybe, and I think if if to, to a fault, really, when he does it a little sooner than he necessarily has to. But he's like that. He will reward you and lavish you. Um with with the reward not just you know give it to you you know um and i mean he'll go top dollar with you and he's proven that he did it with carson palmer um you know he likes to reward his players he likes to compensate them so that's not the issue but i think with with michael bidwell i mean he was furious at the end of the season as Kyle Odegaard reported and had this heated meeting with, with uh, Kime and Kingsbury. And I think the way things transpired in that Rams game really, and down the stretch, really um, stuck in, in, in Bidwell's craw. Um, and he was really upset, and he should have been. And I think one of the major topics was Kyler sitting out the last two plays of that game. Um, you know, and the backlash of that is not, I mean, Bidwell's smart enough to know that's not a good thing. And then, you know, I think that it was probably, you know, communicated at that point that at this point, you know, we're going to pick up Kyler's fifth year option, but we've got to get major improvements in certain areas from him. Right, Cliff? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, Cliff would have nothing, you know, to say about that, but agree. I mean, you'd have to. But this gets me to my final thought, and it's about Cliff. Um, first of all, Cliff deserves a ton of credit. In, in If you go back and if you want to read my article about uh, Colt McCoy, I listed Cliff's offensive stats and rankings, yards per game, um, and uh, and his uh, um, points per game for every season he's been a play caller, college and pros. Okay, and oh my gosh, when you look at this, when you take a look, you know people rank on his late season swoons, but they're not for lack of offense. Okay. Like, you know, at TCU, at 2013, at, at, at Texas Tech, TTU, 2013, his offensive national ranking was 23rd in the country. The defense was 88th. 2014, 55th in the country. 
126 on defense. In 2015, second in the country, 125th on defense. In 2016, fifth in the country, defensive, 128th. 2017, 23rd, defense, 78th. 2018, 16th, defensive, 83rd. I mean, if Cliff's, you know, if you're going to criticize Cliff's record at T Texas Tech was he couldn't get a defense on the field to match his offense or to complement his offense well enough. And, um, you know, recruiting there in Lubbock has its, you know, Cliff even said himself in order to make his offense work, he had to take, the best athletes he could recruit and put them on his side of the ball at certain spots. Um, but boy, I mean, then you, you go and look at his production as a play caller, his very first year at Houston, Houston Cougars yards per game, five fifty nine, first in, in college football points per game, 49.3 first, his quarterback was case Keenum. In 2012, Texas A&M, 558, sixth in the nation. Points per game, 44.5, fifth, Johnny Manziel. 2013, 292, 12th, 33.7 points per game, 30th, Davis Webb and Baker Mayfield. 2014, Texas Tech, 491 per game, 13th, 29.5, 48th. Davis Webb, Patrick Mahomes, when Mahomes was a freshman. 2015, when Mahomes took over. 576, second, points per game, 43.9, third. Patrick Mahomes and Davis Webb. 2016, yards per game, 554, second, points per game, 41.4, eighth. Patrick Mahomes, Nick Shimanek. 2017, Texas Tech, points per game, I mean yards per game, 462, 17th. This was the first year after Mahomes left with Nick Shemenek, a quarterback. Points per game, 32.5, 30th. 2018, Texas Tech, his second to last year. Points per game, four, uh, yards per game, 466, 16th. Points per game, 33.7, 24th. Alan Bowman, Jet Duffy. Yeah, that was his last year there, right? 2018. 2019, with his rookie at quarterback, 341, 21st in the NFL. Points per game, 22.6, 16th. Going from 32nd to 16th in one year. 2020 Arizona, yards per game, 384, 6th in the NFL. Points per game, 25.6. Tenth in the NFL, Kyler Murray, Chris Streveler. 2021, Arizona, yards per game, 363. Ninth, points per game, 25.6. Tenth, Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy. I mean, this is consistently stellar offensive production. And that's why you heard me on, previous, on a previous podcast and at ROTB say, I think that Cliff Kingsbury is the greatest asset in the Cardinals organization right now. I mean, I know people criticize him as a play caller, but let me just tell you something about play calling is that the play you call often is not the one that's running the game and it's not executed the way you taught it. I mean, and now you could say, well, then you're not teaching it right. But there's so many factors to that because if one player misses a, an assignment or key, it can happen. But these numbers will bear out that Cliff is doing a heck of a lot right, much more than he is doing wrong. I mean, to have a top 10 offense in the NFL in the last two years, which, by the way, so many pundits said he would never make it in the NFL. He'd be another um, Chip Kelly. Um, that's wrong. Cliff, and actually, Chip Kelly did some really good things, uh, but let's not get into that. Um, <clears throat> but they're wrong. Uh, Cliff is putting up numbers. And, you know, the two McCoy wins were very stunning in the, in the you know, 
in the notion that wow, I mean, and look at the way McCoy played in those in that 49ers and Seahawks game. I mean, I thought at the time this is just how Cliff loves running his offense. This is what it looks like. And I enumerated the reasons why in the article yesterday on Revenge of the Birds, and there are a number of really good reasons. Um, so it's good to know Cliff's in the stable in case, you know, the Kyler situation deteriorates. You know, who knows what's going to happen there. But I also know that the Cardinals are very much planning to draft a quarterback this year at some point. Um, and that's going to be interesting because they've been doing their due diligence on scouting quarterbacks in this draft. Um, keep an eye on a kid named Bailey Zappi from uh, Western Kentucky, um, a uh, air raid um, uh, connoisseur, <laughs> this kid is. I mean, he had like 60 – he broke – Joe Burrow's record. I think he had 62 touchdowns yesterday, or last year, and nine interceptions, leading Western Kentucky. Um, like, you know, like 7,000 yards. I mean, his numbers are gaudy. And if you look at the tape, you could see why Cliff would like that kid. And I think he's a late day two, early day three prospect in this draft, but he's kind of a sleeper. Um, you know, he doesn't have the the rocket arm, um, but he's got snap release. He's a timing quarterback. He's a lot like Colt. I'll tell you, you know, if you look at Colt on tape, you look this this kid on, on tape, he looks very similar. So, um, and that's the thing with Cliff. You go down this list and you look at, at the, you know, the different styles of quarterbacks he's put up huge numbers with. Now corroborated by the numbers that, that Cole put up in his two wins. Um, but, wow, I mean, it's impressive. And it gives you the confidence that no matter who's at quarterback, as long as Cliff is grooming him and likes him, we can expect big things from the Cardinals' offense. And uh, that's encouraging to know in, in the midst of all this uncertainty about Kyler. Which leads me to my final point. And, and I, I'm really curious as to what you think, but I kind of wonder where Cliff is these days um, with regard to what's going on here with Kyler. Because, you know, we've always thought of the two of them as being joined at the hip. Plus, they share the same agent. But I can't, as a former NFL player that, that Cliff was and being around the game as long as he has, I can't fathom a scenario in which he would have advised Kyler to to um, have taken these tactics this offseason. In fact, I think it was counterintuitive to both of them to do it this way. I mean, look at the lack of free agent si- outside free agent signings, for one. Look at the, the damper this has put on the organization. I mean, Cliff's smart enough, and I've heard from – you know, a former player at Cliffs, how um, judicious he is and unselfish he is in giving advice. But at the same time, you know, he always has the player's best interests in mind. And I cannot imagine that Cliff would have advised Kyler to scrub his socials, to have his own agent write up this manifesto ransom note to have the own agent call out the Cardinals for being cheap just when, you know, his client, Cliff Kingsbury, got like a, 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 you know, long-term extension from the Cardinals and security there. Um, All of it is just so contradictory, and it makes me wonder where Cliff is in all of this. I mean, if Cliff, Cliff knows the agent as well as anyone, he's been Cliff's agent before he was Kyler's, um, I'm, you know, I wonder if there's a disconnect there. I mean, Mike Florio on NBC had a really good point is that, is that oftentimes head coaches, head coaching deals are done without an agent. The owner calls the, the coach in and says, look, we, we want to extend you. <laughs> Does this figure look 
good to you. And if, if the coach says yes, right there, it's done. And I think that's probably what happened with Cliff and Kime, who were called in and told this is what I want to do. I think they were happy to accept on the spot. But it also begs the question of if Cliff were so tied to Kyler, wouldn't he have made that a stipulation, a condition on his re-signing with the Cardinals? No, I mean, you would think maybe. I mean, I, I would think, you know, he's that adamant. Like I, I can only, you know, my success is, is primarily predicated on keeping Kyler Murray as my quarterback. Um, and I think the answer to that is that I think that Cliff believes that he can win with a host of quarterbacks. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily thinks that Kyler is the be all and end all his the only path for success for his success in the NFL. And I think the McCoy um, performances encouraged uh, Cliff quite a bit. Now, I don't think Cliff's necessarily ready to give up on Kyler. I'm not suggesting that. And I think he, he probably wants it to work out, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if Cliff is on board with Michael Bidwell in thinking that, you know, I, we can't give him in his extension yet, not under these circumstances. We're going to play this thing out. Uh, we're not going to trade him. We're going to, you know, hold him to his contract and pick up the fifth-year option, which isn't, you know, it's going to create a showdown and moments of truth uh, because when you get past the draft, um, you know, I mean, if the if it becomes clear that the Cardinals are just going to do the fifth-year option and take it from there, then what's going to happen? I mean, is Kyler going to hold out? That's what the Burkhart seems to be threatening, that he won't, you know, the insinuation was through Tom Pelissero that he won't, you know, take another snap unless it's with a new contract. I mean, after the draft, the, the trade possibilities diminish. I mean, Teams know what their rosters are. Salary cap's an issue. Um, the draft capital's an issue. I mean, yes, you could probably do a thing for future draft picks if it came to that, but it's all – and the agent knows that heading into the draft is the most advisable time to work a trade. Um, and I think that's where we're at, and it could be tomorrow that uh, or sometime, someday soon we're going to get – um, if there hasn't been action on the Cardinals' part, and I don't believe there's going to be, um, that uh, you know this, the next step would be the trade demand. And uh, once that is issued, I mean, our history in the Cardinals of players asking to be traded, I, I always feel like when a player has one foot out the door, it's not going to be a good scenario for the player or the team. And, uh, you know, if the Cardinals can get the right kind of deal, um, if not hang on to them and do what you've been wanting to do, but, and, uh, try to work with them. Um, but no matter what happens, there's going to be a, try to work this thing out with Kyler. Um, if he stays, because he's got, uh, a lot of work ahead of him and he's got a lot, a lot to prove. Um, and a lot, lot to show um, in kind of um, changing the narrative about the way his seasons have gone from MVP candidate to, you know, getting injured to struggling down the stretch, um, even in games where the team is favored. Um, so as they were the stretch this year, that was so, was so frustrating. They were favored in every game after the, the bye week and uh, lost, you know, um, five of the seven. And then they were not favored against the Rams by then in the playoffs. So, but anyway, I just wonder where Cliff's, Cliff is on this. And, uh, you know, you would think that Cliff would be pounding on the table if, you know, he, he wants this deal done for Kyler. And, but I, I 
I would imagine Cliff's as frustrated as some of, some of we are, some of us are, excuse me, um, and concerned uh, about the decision making, about the immaturity. And I, I don't think Kyler is a day at the beach to coach. Uh, this just in. I think he's pretty stubborn. Um, I think he does, you know, like I said, I think he likes to play on his own terms. And uh, it's still mystifying to me um, why Kyler is reluctant to run sprint outs, bootlegs, waggles, all the things that would give defensive coordinators extra nightmares in trying to defend. That's just so mind-boggling to me. Um, and I just wonder if if he just thinks it'll tire him out during games. And uh, I've also wondered about his physical conditioning. Um, his, uh, you know, because last year he got caught on – from behind on three occasions that I was like, what? I mean, at his speed, um, sometimes that's more mental than anything else. It's like your mind's telling you, oh, I've, I'm tired or I, I don't know if I can do this. But Kyler, Kyler didn't get caught from behind in Oklahoma, and there are guys running four threes on defense there. Um, but he did this year, and uh, – you know, I think in his mind, he's, he has already kind of checked that box if I really don't want to run that much, and uh, I'm going to avoid it as much as I can. That in itself is a concern uh, because of, you know, what Kyler – what makes Kyler special. So um, those are my thoughts, the no big deal. Wow. And then, of course – the big deal that Kyler wants. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Cardinals gave it to him. Um, I, I think that the repercussions of that would be, um, you know, what widespread. Uh, and I think the whole world's watching to see what the Cardinals do. Um, but I could see Bidwell sticking to his, his, you know, his plan of, we want to see more, Kyler. We want to see you lead us this year, take us to new heights. We want to see you finish down the stretch. We want to see you be a finisher. We want to see your leadership improve. And the irony to me was is that I think if he did it, like I said earlier, by coming in, being a ubiquitous presence, not pulling all these antics with his agents, quietly going about his business behind the scenes, if he was now taking the bull by the horns and being the leader that everybody, you know, all through the OTAs, all through minicamp, all through and into the summer and taking the bull by the horns and really, you know, putting his best foot forward. I, I imagine Bidwell would have rewarded him for that kind of sustained effort and seeing that, well, Kyler really gets it now. All right. But instead I think it's backed Bidwell into a corner and I'd really support him on this um, if he wants to just say, hey, yeah, we have you under contract. Um, we still believe in you. We still want to see you, you know, we, there are things that we want to see improve, just as there are things we want to see improve in a number of players and uh, and in our team. So we're going to stick you on, you know, stick with you and uh, work with you. And when the time is right, we'll sit down and work something out. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'd like to know what your prediction is at this point. We did a poll on um, our ROTB and uh, I did one a couple days ago and it was pretty clear that only, I think three, three of our members at ROTB um, voted for, uh, giving Kyler his bag now um, at, you know, making him one of the top five paid quarterbacks, which is apparently if the agent pulled the initial offer off the table means now his price tag has even gone up higher than what it was before. Um, <clears throat> uh, the second option was, which I voted for was to pick up his fifth year option um, and a number of people did that, but then there were trade options. 
various scenarios that I tried to put together about what what teams might offer, the packages involved, and um, most of the, most of our members voted on one one of those trades or another. Um, I think you know the general sentiment there is the concerns we've all had. Um, this is not done well for Kyler's image. And, um, you know, um, I know that all kinds of fans are, are frustrated and it's kind of pitted all of us against each other. Those of us who are in the camp of, you know, let's wait this thing out because we can, he's under contract. And those who are saying, you know, no, let's pay him now, give him whatever he wants. Um, you know, and it's put us at each other's throats and, Unfortunately, it's just the whole buzz around the Cardinals isn't what it should be right now. And maybe when there's clarity, greater clarity, um, we can start really feeling a new sense of hope. Um, but right now, it's hard to figure what's going on. So I'd love to hear your predictions at, at WBJ Mitch on Twitter at revengeofthebirds.com. Uh, you know, I, this was such going to be such a huge year with the Super Bowl in Arizona. Praying for some miracles. Um, you know, the Cardinals are due. It's, you know, and there's so many good players on this roster fully committed to the team, and they're in there now um, working out. And, I, I, you know, there's pieces there that can give us hope but we need stability. We need some, you know, some sort of splash to get everyone all excited again. Um, you know, in the way that we were last year, look at what that excitement grew for the fan base and for the team. We need that um, so much right now. And hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later and that it will happen and the Cardinals can get after this thing. But right now they're behind and they need to behind the, you know, other teams. I mean, they need to catch up. And the schedule is, you know, a big challenge this year, obviously. So, um, man, I hope one day all of us see the red, red rain shower down and see a conf confetti into the red, red sea, red rain. <laughs>